Hello everyone, this is Pookie Stew and this is my very first podcast. Podcast that I feel the Lord uh, leading me to do so that I have an avenue to share all the wonderful things that God has done. I know that each of us in the body of Christ have testimonies and it's always good to have an outlet for those testimonies. So today I'm going to be sharing some truths that I feel the Lord has given to me from Song of Songs. Song of Songs is a beautiful book. Uh, written by King Solomon to the people of God about his great love for his sweetheart. And as I read through Song of Songs, the Lord has oftentimes spoken to me about the nature of our relationship, how intimate the Father and the Son and the Spirit are with the bride. And Song of Songs 8 in particular was a a chapter that the Lord gave to me during a very difficult time. He knew that I was going to be walking through some some trials and uh, tragedy in my own personal life. And so he wanted to remind me before I faced some of my darkest hour of the intense and intimate and romantic and wonderful love that God uh, has for his people. So there again, I'm not a Bible scholar. I've never been to seminary. I don't have a degree in theology. But these are just things that have been spoken to me by the Spirit of God. And the scripture says, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you don't need any man to teach you. That the Spirit within you will lead you and guide you into all truth. And he certainly does. And so these are just things that the Father has revealed um, to me. They're personal revelations from God. Not um, anything more than that. So hopefully you'll just be blessed by the things that are shared. And maybe even uh, see some wonderful sides of the creator that you hadn't seen before so when I was um, sitting there in my distress and opened the scripture to the song of songs chapter 8 the Lord kind of does like what he does sometimes uh, with me I've always read these verses one direction I've always read them in the context of the people speaking that, you know, Shulamith was speaking to Solomon, Solomon's speaking to Shulamith. But as I began to read these verses, the Spirit of God kind of opened my eyes to see Yeshua speaking directly to me. Yeshua is Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua Messiah, our Mashiach. And he opened my eyes to see these verses coming to me from him. Which is something I had never considered before. But it just opened my eyes to some beautiful truths about God. Just some wonderfully intimate things with the Lord. So I'm just going to go through verse by verse. And just kind of share what he he gave to me. So verse 1 it says, Oh that you were my brother who shared the breast of my mother. When I should find you outside I would kiss you and I would not be despised. So, of course, uh, this verse is Shulamith, and she's telling Solomon that she wishes they were family. Because um, being a king, I'm sure seeing them together made a lot of people jealous. And so she was saying, I wish you were my brother. Um, That way, when I found you, I could just, you know, be close to you in public, and and nobody would hate me. Well, I I see this a lot of times with us uh, believers. You know, we... The scripture is very clear. It says that to love God makes you an enemy of this world, you know, and if you love the things of this world, then 
you're going to hate the things of God. And there's really no middle road. And Yeshua said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other, or you'll hate this one and you'll love that one. So when we choose to become intimate with God and found, start a relationship with Him, it's like, it's like a double-edged sword because our life opens up to this beautiful world of of rich love and intimacy and reality and purpose and at the same time we're we're intensely persecuted <laughs> and it's just the nature of the beast and yeshua said where no servant is above his master if they hated me they're going to hate you and this is just the reality that we find as christians in this world in this wicked world but when we find jesus um, we find the source of all life meaning love it makes it all worth it doesn't it so here, uh, King Solomon was a king, and of course it made other people jealous that she was able to be intimate with him and be part of his family, and she wished that she could freely express her love, and I know that uh, we can in Christ, we can. He will give us that boldness that we need to testify and do a podcast. It takes a lot of courage when you start speaking and sharing about the things that God has done for you, but that's that's a reason that we should rise up as a people and be that light and testify. And this is what we basically did in our baptism. And I've I've been in several situations where I was uh, privileged and honored to be part of a baptism and watch uh, new believers declaring their love for Jesus publicly. And it's so interesting to me how many times I've seen people outside the body of Christ who do not have covenant relationship with the Lord, and they're watching the baptism, and they just stop and stare. It's unbelievable that we can be intimate with God. It's absolutely unbelievable that we have this ability to enter into a relationship with, with God through Jesus in covenant. Amazing. So that's what I see in verse 1 there. In verse 2, she said, I would lead you and I would bring you into my mom's home who would instruct me and I would cause you to drink of spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate. So now, of course, this is her talking, but as the Holy Spirit will oftentimes do, um, Yeshua said the entire book of the volume is written of me. So there is not one verse of scripture in the entire testament that doesn't refer to Christ directly. And so he reversed all of these verses as he was saying these things directly to me. And so he's saying to me, I will lead you and I will bring you into my father's house who will instruct you. And I will cause you to drink of spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate. So I did a little research into the pomegranate, and it's a very interesting fruit. And if, if you're experienced with the pomegranate, it's a, it's a bright red color. The inside has a deep purplish red. There's a shell, and then it, it, it houses many, many, many seeds. And then on top, there's like a little crown. The part that attaches, I guess, to the tree or the bush is like a little crown. So pomegranate was very significant in the old testament it was very significant exodus 28 33 um, describes the colors that the high priests wore the blue the purple the scarlet and that it was connected to the priesthood and it was also connected to kings because this is a part of the symbols that they used in the temple that solomon used actually to decorate his temple 
So as I was meditating on the pomegranate and asking the Lord to to teach me what does that mean, is um he showed me that, you know, we are one body in Christ, that Christ is all in all, and we are although there are many, many, many believers, we're one bride, we're one body. And in John seventeen, Yeshua prayed and his prayer was that we would be one as he and the Father were one. As the Father and Yeshua are one in a covenant, that we would be in Christ and therefore in covenant with the Father. And as all of us, multiple believers grafted into Christ, are now connected to the Father, there's a wonderful intimacy there. There's a oneness there. It's a permanent oneness. It's an eternal salvation. It's beautiful. And the pomegranate is interesting because he says, I would uh, basically intoxicate you with the wine of my pomegranates. So the, 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 the intense love with which the love of God loves us is, is beautiful. And it's overwhelming. And it's intoxicating. And our spirits cannot really get enough of the gracious love of God. And so pomegranate also comes from the Hebrew word apple and seeds. And so put together, it's like uh, reminiscent of the fruit. And I think about it how we are the fruit of the Lord. We are the result of the work that he came to do. His whole purpose in coming to the earth was to restore our relationship to God that had been severed on account of sin. And in Christ's own body, he bore our sin and therefore paid the penalty for it. And that enabled us to be reconnected to our Father in relationship. And the high priests, they wore this robe, the robe of those colors, and were pomegranates were associated with that priesthood. And... Just as Christ was our high priest, and he was the mediator, the go-between, that brought us and connected us back to the Father in heaven, as the body of Christ, we are to be kings and priests. There is a whole world of people who have no relationship with God. They have no covenant. They have no promise of eternal life because they are completely cut off and separated from him. And it's the finished work of Christ to reconnect uh, mankind to its creator. So we act as many messiahs in the fact that we preach and we share with people what Yeshua has done. And as they can see and come to God and find restoration and relationship with the Father again, we stand in the gap. We mediate on their behalf simply by preaching and teaching and sharing what God has done for us and what God has done for the world. So we are like a mini, mini pomegranate in that there will be many, many people in our lifetime that we'll come in contact with, that we'll share the gospel with, then they're grafted back into the covenant with Yeshua and the Father. So pomegranate is beautiful, and, this, and Yeshua is sharing with me in Song of Solomon 8, and he said, I will lead you, and I will bring you back into my Father's house. And that's exactly what he does. And he will instruct us. This part is so glorious to me. He says, I will cause you to drink of my spiced wine. There is a part of us that desperately needs the Father to draw us. And that's what the scripture says that he draws all men unto himself. So when Yeshua comes, he comes to minister to us. 
We always think that we come to serve God, but we, most of the time in my own relationship, it's God who's coming to serve me. It's, it's, it's Yeshua coming to wash my unworthy feet. So he's saying, I will cause you to drink and to be intoxicated by my love. I will cause you to rest. And that's the thing. He makes us drunk on his love. So the pomegranate is representative of his priesthood. The fact that he comes to minister to us, to reconnect us to the Father, to heal and to save. Verse 3 says, his left hand should be under my head. His right hand will embrace me. Oh, that's a very intimate phrase. It also has a lot of romantic overtones. It was the way that Solomon embraced his bride when he took hold of his woman. You know, his left hand grasped her by the head. His right hand took hold of her body. Basically, Yeshua comes and he claims us for God. He does. He embraces us. He takes a hold of us. And that's the scripture says, I have not, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you to go and bear fruit. He is the lifter of our head. The scripture says that the father loves to lift those that are bowed down and those that look to Jesus, their faces are never covered with shame. So before we entered into this beautiful covenant relationship with God and became intimate with God, our shame was unbearable. And it caused us to only look down to the things of earth, to the things of the world, to the ugly, shameful things. But when he comes, he lifts our head. He lifts our head up toward heaven. He lifts our head up toward our future in God and the, the body that he is making us to be. He lifts our head and he takes authority over us as a man would take authority over his bride sweep her up into an embrace and just dominate her and so that she's overcome by love and just surrenders to that intimacy that is what yeshua does to us he takes authority over his people he beats the devil off with a big stick he conquers all of our fears he conquers all of our reservations he removes the part of us that does not trust and overcomes our spirit with love and in doing that, he becomes our head. And that's what he said. His left hand should be under my head. I think in the heart of all humanity, we know God should be God and we should be people. God should be God. He should be boss. He should be Lord. We have a difficulty sometimes in trusting him because we paint over God the image of people. You know, we've been mistreated by people. We haven't been loved the way that we should be loved. We haven't been valued and honored the way that God created us to be valued and honored. But Yeshua comes and he just erases over, he paints over the image of man and shows us who God is. And his right hand should embrace us. Verse 3 says his right hand should embrace me. Well, Yeshua is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. That is his place of authority, his seat. He sits at the right hand of the Father. So he is referred to as God's right hand. And any time the Father desires to reach out to mankind, he did it through his Son. His hand stretched out toward us was stretched out on the cross and nailed. His hand toward us is Yeshua. It's Jesus. So he should be the lifter of our head. He should be the one that takes authority over our life. And guides us and becomes our leader, our boss, our head. And it's through the right hand of God that this, this happens in our life. 
Yeshua becomes our Lord. And this is how you get saved. You confess. Yeshua, you are Lord. Be my Lord. Take authority over my life. Be my boss and lead me. Show me the way to life and how to have a relationship with you. And when we do, we are caught up into the intimacy and the love of God. We're surrounded by such a great father, a great, great love. Verse 4, he says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you do not stir up or awaken my love until it pleases. Now, this was very interesting. Yeshua says to me, you need to guard your heart from idolatry. You need to save up all of your love for me. He's such a beautiful God. His jealousy is not rooted in selfishness as ours is. Our jealousy is fear that we're going to be compared and found wanting. God knows he has no equal. There's none beside him. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. He is not in competition in the sense that he could actually be compared and found wanting. He is in competition for us. His jealousy comes out of love, not selfishness. It comes out of the knowledge that is when we believe on him and are saved that we live. And if we believe anything else, we will die. And out of great love for the world and for humanity, he wants to see us live. He wants to see us live forever. If he's the source of all life and being connected to him is the only way that we can live forever, then he is jealous that we know that and do not try to link our heart and life to the enemy and the lies of the enemy and other uh, promises of artificial life. Because if we do that, we're not going to find any life. We're just going to die. So in verse 4, when he says, I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up and awaken love until it pleases. I know that refers to save up your intimacy and your arrows for your marriage. But more than that, it means guard your heart from idolatry and don't stir up any other love. He should have no competitor. He is the almighty love of all. <laughs> verse 5 um, is my favorite verse, probably in all of scripture. He says, Who is this that comes up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? I raised you up under the apple tree. It was there that your mother brought you forth, and it was there that she bore you and gave birth. Our King, our Messiah, our Savior came into our wilderness he was born into sin, as all of us was. Now, he was born in innocence. There was no sin in him when he was born. It was a virgin birth. So he didn't carry the sin nature that was passed down to us through Adam. His father, his father was God directly. So he was born without sin, a perfect and a spotless lamb. But by becoming human flesh, he came into our wilderness. He was born into the sinful world that all of us were born into. In this desert, in this wilderness, where there's no water and no life. Where the knowledge of God was being squeezed out of the earth. And it was there, in our nothingness, in our emptiness, in our vacancy, that he found us. He found us wretched, blind, poor, and naked. And without covenant and without God in the world. And he brought us forth. Because it was in this world that our mother brought us forth. He came into our world to become like one of us so that he could bring us up. And he, and he gave us new birth. 
that's what he gave to his people he gave to us new birth and so when we're when we when we're born again after we pray verse 4 take hold of us take hold of our head embrace us become our boss become our lord then he brings us out of the wilderness and we come out leaning on our beloved we come out trusting in him we finally have a love that's worth trusting in we finally have a love that is not going to abandon us that came for us when we didn't deserve it when we were unlovable he loved us he came into our personal wilderness and he brought us up out of it we came out of the world and then verse 6 says set me as a seal upon your heart and as a seal upon your arm for love is as strong as death and jealousy is cruel as the grave the coals thereof are coals of fire which have a vehement flame So when Yeshua spoke this verse to me is when I melted down. This is when I lost it. Because he read this verse to me. Instead of telling me this is what I needed to do, and surely this is what we need to do. We need to set all of our love, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our affections on God. Because that's what he deserves. He did this for me. He set me as a seal upon his heart when they thrust the spear into his side and burst it open. He set me as a seal upon his own arms when he allowed them to drive nail holes through his flesh. For his love for us was as strong as death. When faced with his own death, he could either die and have us, or he could refuse to die and never have us. His love for us was stronger than death because it cost him his entire life. And his jealousy for us was as cruel as the grave. Because that is exactly where it sent him. God's desire to see us live, to see us have life and have a relationship with the Father, was so cruel to him because it cost him his life. It cost him his his everything. And the coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. See, he knew that without him, we were going to hell. This is the truth. He knew that without him, we had no future. We had no hope. And he was willing to walk through that fire for us. He was the fourth man in in the fire of Daniel. So he set us as a seal when they pierced his heart open. He set us as a seal on his arms when they drove in the nail. And now, after that great sacrifice, he can't even look down at his own body without remembering us. We're carved, engraved on the palms of his hands forever. His love for us is stronger than death. His jealousy for us was cruel to him as the grave. He knew this was the cost to have us, and he walked into that fire and died. And by doing that, He proved that his love and his jealousy for us was stronger than death. And now his seal of ownership is on us. We are grafted in to relationship with God through his death. So we're literally engraved. His life, our lives are found in Christ. We belong to him now in the most passionate and permanent way. He owns us completely through that sacrifice. He paid for us in full. Beautiful. Verse 7, he said, Many waters cannot quench love, 
neither can the floods drown it? If a man would give everything he had, the substance of his entire house, for love, it would be utterly scorned or condemned. Now, there were several times this occurred. You know, Satan offered Jesus all of the world. He took him up on a high mountain and he showed him everything. All of the money, the fame, and the nations of the world, the power, military powers and might. The world system that he had set up and worshipped himself, he showed it to Jesus and he said, I will give you all of this. I will give you the substance of my house in exchange for love. And Jesus said, no. He declined everything in favor of us. There was no amount of money that you could offer our, our Jesus that he would trade it for us. And no amount of power either. Swirling armies of soldiers. You know, in scripture, waters are referred to as nations. And it says that the, the, you know, the, the waters and the waves clash against each other in war. And it's, it's, it's nations going to war against nations. There were swirling armies of soldiers that came. And priests, evil priests. Not the true Israel. The synagogue of Satan. The small ugly remnant of Israel that was not the real Israel that betrayed him over to the Romans to be crucified, they came demanding his life like a flood. It says a legion of Roman soldiers. That was hundreds of soldiers came, and it was nothing. He still didn't quit. He was going to die. It did not count or mean anything to Jesus. And then in addition to this, there were the potential praise or applause of people and wealth. But he still chose love and death instead. And then also it says, um, you know, if a man would give all the substance of his house, it, that, you know, that kind of refers to also the passage of time. Passage of time means nothing. It changes nothing. His love for us has never grown cold. His love for us has never gone cold. Verse 8, 9, and 10. Um, if you read these verses, basically, it, they're saying that we should be a private garden for Yeshua. That our life, uh, the intimate parts of our heart and life, should be set apart for God. We should be so captivated by our lover, by our Lord, that we're set apart for Him. And he has no competition. I mean, this is what he is worthy of. He's worthy of everything. He came and gave we who had nothing, everything. And we, he should have no competitor for our affection. When we see the, the awesome, overcoming and overpowering way that he has loved us, the only response is to love him back in the same way that he's loved us. Because there's really nothing that can compare with Yeshua. And that was his only prayer. You know, he prayed several things for us before he went to his death. And you can read them in John 17. And one time, uh, right after he, I had read through it, I had forgotten about it. And I went in the, in the bathroom and I was just doing, you know, brushing hair and whatever. God said to me, so do you think that I got what I prayed for? <laughs> 
And I had to take a step back, and I was like, I think you did. I think that any prayer that you prayed, (laughs) the Father immediately said, yes, you can have that. So then I had to race back to the Bible and reread the words of Jesus to see what what was it again that he asked for. This is what his prayer was, that we might be in the pomegranate, that we might be one with him in covenant, as he is one with the Father in covenant, So that we all may be in covenant. And now we are grafted into the wonderful relationship the Father and Son have. Simply because we are in Christ. We are all those little seeds in our great high priest. Reconnected to our Father in heaven. So as you read through Song of Songs. I know that the Holy Spirit is going to show you so much more. Than the little glimpses of things that he showed me. But. Go outside of just the context of the husband and the wife and see Christ in the church. Because the whole gospel is in these verses. And you can really see the love of Jesus when he tells you everything he's going to do for you. May you be blessed today and may you walk with the Father. And I always like to close in a little prayer because I believe that our life started with prayer. And it's going to end with prayer. And I just pray for everyone listening who has had issues being intimate with you because of trust issues. Because maybe they were broken. Maybe they were not loved appropriately by people. No one gets through this life unscathed. This is a wicked, sinful world. We come into this world with open hearts. They get crushed on the floor. But you pick us up. You repair the pieces of the brokenhearted. You comfort them. And you draw them to yourself. Because deep on the inside of all of us, there is an unquenchable thirst to be loved like this. To be loved 100%. Beyond all, beyond all tests. Overwhelmingly loved. And this is what Yeshua showed us in the cross. This is what he showed us in coming to save us. And this is what he does for us. So I pray the eyes of their heart be open. Their eyes be enlightened. As Paul said. To know the glorious riches of the grace of God. And the love with which he loved us. And that in seeing you. Maybe even for the first time. They'll trust you. And know that you're good. And this is the love that they can hang their hat on. This is the love they can base their life in. They can root their identity in. This is the love that makes us who we are. May you feel the love of God today. In Yeshua's name, amen.